Let's bring in Vincent Dillard, talk about the NASDAQ, Tesla, and possibly, maybe, some at-risk companies if yields keep climbing the way they are. Vincent's global macro strategist at StoneX Group. Vincent, is there any more stock at risk than Tesla if yields keep moving quickly? Yeah, in general, uh, a huge portion of the, uh, the U.S. stock market is essentially a, a play on, on duration. Uh, and that was great when, when yields were falling. Uh, these very flat yield curves, sometimes inverted yield curves, fit very well the expected cash flows of many of these loss-making unicorns. Um, of course, as, as curves rise and steepen, uh, the opposite effect come into play. We haven't seen too much of that because I think we are clearly in a bubble and there is enough uh, retail euphoria and new money flowing into the market to offset the impact from rising yields. But I doubt that we can go much above maybe one and a half on the 10-year without starting to see some damage in the stock market. Now, what gets you to that, uh, Vincent? I mean, how do we know what level it is? Larry and I were just talking about this. It seems like uh, it's starting to weigh a little bit. I mean, the NASDAQ futures are in lockstep with the bond futures this week. Uh, I don't know if I've seen it like that maybe ever. It's like one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, as far as levels go, I mean, it's, it's really anybody's guess. Um, l last time we went there was, you know, December 2018. The level that really broke the market was about 3% uh, on the 10-year. Uh, my impression is that that level has come down, the point of maximum tolerance for pain for, for the stock market, partly because uh, stocks are more leveraged after the uh, the COVID episode, and partly because valuations have, have risen a lot more. So uh, as a result, are a lot more sensitive to small changes in the denominator and the discounted cash flow model. Um, so 1.3, maybe 1.5, maybe 2. I, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, but I think, you know, I think the Fed is going to let that happen uh, as long as we don't see too, mu too much effects on, uh, on the economy, on, uh, on mortgage refinancing and on the stock market. Uh, but the moment that we start to see um, some damage, um, the Fed will be faced with a very difficult choice. Vincent, what's more important to figuring out if there finally is a kind of bubble in the frothy stuff that gets deflated? Is it the Fed's messaging or is it the 10-year yield and the role that it will have in investors' allocation and investing decisions? I mean, the two obviously are related, but it seems that one could argue that the 10-year yield has, has been detaching. I mean, the message from the Fed has not changed for six months. The 10-year yield sure as heck has. Yeah, that's correct. And I think the Fed would like to keep things the same. Um, you know, a steeper yield curve is, is a good thing. It's a sign of economic normalization. It helps the banks. It helps intermediation. It helps loan growth. Uh, so that the best outcome for the Fed uh, would be that, you know, yields continue their moderate ascent and that stocks don't react too badly to it. And, and so far, we've been we've been walking that line. And who knows? Maybe it can continue. I mean, we'll get we'll get another round of stimulus. Uh, we'll get you know another set of checks. Maybe uh, some city you know meme stonk can can keep the rally going. So maybe this Goldilocks moment can can last um, a bit a bit longer. Um, but again, over time, when you have stocks as overvalued as they are today, it doesn't take much of an increase in long-term yields and inflation expectation. Uh, to really make the numbers not work. I mean, I would argue they don't already work for, for many. I mean, most U.S. stocks, honestly, are the valuation is almost impossible to justify 
uh, unless we assume that rates are going to are going to fall to a negative level, which I don't think is on the Fed's agenda. Right. So there's a few charts I want to get to. We only got about five minutes here, uh, Vincent. But the first one, just to put this Tesla conversation into context, you've charted Tesla's market cap versus all other public car manufacturers. Uh, for those that are not aware of this, they are now in line after Tesla's big move this year. So just another way to look at uh, the valuation for this company relative to its peers. Uh, obviously, as we move closer towards a trillion dollars, there it is, the red line Tesla almost eclipsing the market cap of all other car manufacturers. So that's some context for what we just discussed. But what I want to discuss next, Vincent, is back to your point about the role of yields and expectations for investors. So if we switch gears, you've got another chart here that shows the median pension fund return assumption, which is about 7%, which is roughly around the historical average return for stocks. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's around 7%. But the problem here is that everything's below this. The yield one can expect from the S&P 500, the 10-year, of course, the high yield in the red bond index, as well as the aggregate corporate yield in the blue. Is this why we see Bitcoin doing what it's doing? Are people just trying, throwing anything out there to see if something sticks? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that 7.5% is more or less in line with the return of the 60-40 portfolio, um, which is, you know, and which is what U.S. pension funds are allowed to discount their liabilities at. I mean, it's honestly, it's wishful accounting at this point. Uh, you know, in finance, we keep repeating past performance is no indication of future result. Well, gap accounting allows pension funds to use past performance as an indication, as, a, as an economic tool to discount the future liability, even when it makes absolutely no sense. Um, yeah, so we, we're going to get to an average of 7.5% by mixing assets that yield between 1% on the 10-year and, and 4% on junk bonds. This is a mathematical impossibility. And, and it speaks, to me, it speaks to the, uh, the, the high cost of free money and the high cost of this stock market bubble. Um, sure, it's, it's all fun. Everybody's getting rich. Even value investors are doing well right now, which, you know, is shocking. Uh, so, you know, nobody cries when prices are going up. but. Uh, the more prices go up, the harder it will be for pension funds to meet their liabilities and the harder it will be eventually for, for Americans to retire in dignity. So this is not a harmless exercise. And, and I think the Fed has a, a mandate to, to prevent um, uh, such kind of bubbles from happening. And actually, it seems to me that it's inflating it rather than trying to slow it down. Vincent, one thing here that you point out, even though your uh, statement about rates adding pressure to the market, if we get past 1.5%, you've got another chart that shows that valuations can enjoy lofty levels, even when inflation's between 2 and 4%, that that's actually kind of the sweet spot in history. This chart is really interesting that shows the Schiller PE relative to inflation rates and where that sweet spot exists. So I guess one could argue that you can make a bull case from that about kind of riding the bubble further. But what does our preceding decade do to skew any historical comparison? I mean, was there any period in the past where declining rates played such a primary role in investment making decisions? And I know people argue that, but bottom line is I've been covering the market for eight years and the most common thing I've heard is buy these things because rates are low. So that's why people say they do it. Seems like it's a big reason. So does this chart apply uh, when rates have been doing what they've been doing for the past decade? 
to some extent, uh, one thing I'll point by the way, so you're correct, the sweet spot is that 2 to 4% inflation is the sweet spot for, uh, for stocks valuation. Now, keep in mind the Shiba P is at a record high already. So, I mean, this is baked in. Uh, I see, okay. So it's not really a bull case anymore. No, I mean, it's, it's more of a, okay, if I can stretch, I guess I can justify this uh, by, by making a big intellectual effort. Uh, I, I think to me, the, the real bullish case for stocks is just liquidity. Uh, you know, seeing that we have all these packs that have raised so much money, private equity that's sitting on $2 trillion in cash, money market funds assets are still very historically high, uh, and then the, the next round of stimulus that will send more money uh, to Americans, which some of which will find its way in the stock market. Um, so I think that is really the only justification I see for, for, for owning stocks at this point is um, the party can keep going a little longer. Um, as far as inflation goes, yeah, we are in the first phase where that inflation feels good. Like we're like, oh great, growth is coming back, this is normalization. You know, we're looking at five, six percent annual growth for uh, GDP next year, and that feels great after where we've been. Uh, now, what this chart also shows is that once you go past the four percent limit, um, you know, that's yeah, where stocks multiples start to compress, and that's when, if you look at the other chart, which shows the, the ratio of gold to the S&P 500, that's where it really takes off. So we. we my expectation is that we'll get there by the end of the year uh, when inf uh, inflation will stop being seen as a positive to being seen as uncomfortable. You think we get 4% this year? By, by the end of the year, yes. Vincent, the one thing I just want to point out, I mean, frankly, look, I mean, just kind of uh, the logic seems to be that because we're already the highest PE uh, in the sweet spot, then, uh, yeah, you're right. It's You'd have to make a big intellectual effort to try and justify why the P should go up even further as we move, right? I mean, uh, so it definitely is, uh, is difficult, I guess, is the way we'll conclude it. We got the closing bell. We got to run. Vincent, great stuff as always. Thanks for your perspective. Always a pleasure to see you, my friend. Thanks a lot. Vincent Dillard joining us from StoneX is a global macro strategist.